checking the PA system. Is this on? Still checking. Well, I hear my voice now. That's not God, that's me. All right. By the way, you see I'm me on the front pew? I drove over 80 miles an hour to get here from Athens, Alabama. I walked straight out of the pulpit when I stood at the last line of the invitation song, walked straight out of the auditorium and got in my car and drove like Jehu. So I did the scriptural thing and drove like Jehu in the chariot to come do a mission. But uh, that's why I'm on the front pew. I'm repenting. I'm confessing my fault right now so that you'll all know. I do appreciate this congregation. Been in this area, not in this location. I remember when the Midway building was over here on Old Highway 27. How many of you even remember that? How many? 24. Yeah, 27. I'm in another county, aren't I? Okay, 24. How many of y'all know there was a building over there on Highway 24? <laughs> Brick building. Okay. And uh, I used to preach at the Neal Church of Christ, which, by the way, is still there. And I've been at Bethel ever since 1984, October 1st, 1984. I do have a vested interest in this congregation. I now have a daughter that attends here, and son-in-law, grandson, and soon-to-be, Lord willing, granddaughter to be a part of this work here. So appreciate everything you're doing for the cause of Christ and also as it directly relates to my family. All right, focus on the family. Is that what your BBS is about this week? That's what I'm told. And my lesson tonight is on the foundation, the fundamental passage of the New Testament and Old Testament. Starting in the Old Testament, you find in the New Testament, on the home. And it starts with marriage. You didn't have a home until you had a marriage. And if I were to ask you, if you're going to go back and find the fundamental passage in the Old Testament on marriage, where would you go? Well, I hope you wouldn't say Malachi because you wouldn't be real close. It would have to do with some issues that had to do with the home and the marriage, but you'd have to go all the way back to Genesis. Genesis. Anytime, by the way, you're looking at background material, even from the New Testament, always go to Genesis. Always, by the way, Jesus does that. Okay, the passage we're going to concentrate on tonight is Genesis 2.24. Moses wrote it, but Moses wasn't in the Garden of Eden when he wrote it. This is about the Garden of Eden. How in the world did Moses know what God said in the Garden of Eden when Moses wasn't born until he was born in Egypt? How did he know that? That has to be by inspiration. It has to be. Okay? And what he wrote by inspiration, Jesus quotes in Matthew 19, verse 5, and Paul quotes in Ephesians 5, 31, to refer to what applies to the Christian life, to New Testament Christianity. Yet, it is the fundamental passage of the Old Testament on the home. Okay? And it starts with marriage. By the way, Jesus said that he made them male and female. Are we having a controversy in our country right now over who is a male and who is a female? I never thought 40 years ago when I first started preaching that I would have to stand in a pulpit or a floor like this and explain to a person whether they are male or female. Have you ever thought about it? You've got to walk up to someone and say, no, you don't wait till you're three years old to figure out if you're a male or a female or something in between transitioning. Listen, the Bible says God made them male and female. Read your Bible. 
He made them male and female. He didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. Okay? And we have a whole society right now that basically says, as soon as that child is born, we don't tell you whether you had a boy or girl. We let them figure it out when they get older. You tell me we're not going to have trouble in the home? You go down that road and see if you don't have trouble in the home. How are you going to define a home of a person that can't figure out what they are but going to wait till they're about two or three years old? Listen, take a swab in your mouth, send it off to Ancestry.com. You have 48 chromosomes in every cell in your body. The 48th pair of the chromosomes of every cell in your body right now is either XX or XY chromosome. You do know what I'm talking about, right? Every female in here does not have an XY chromosome. Every female in here has an XX. Every male in here has an XY chromosome. And that's how God made you. It's in your DNA. As soon as you were conceived, literally, as soon as you were conceived, God made you the gender that you are. Come on, shake or nod. Okay, if we don't teach our kids that, the world's going to teach them different. If I were to ask you, raise your hand if you know of someone right now who has a child or a grandchild or a nephew or a niece that is questioning what they are. We've got them at Bethel. I'm having to talk to teenagers now about LGBTQ question mark plus whatever the new letters they're putting out beside all of this. By the way, we're not, I'm talking about North Alabama now. I'm not talking about San Francisco, California, where the largest population percentage is, which, by the way, it's about 6% of the town. You do know that, right? You are talking about a minuscule number of people. But the media is making Hollywood, you know, Los Angeles, New York. These cities, the media is making it look like this is a national scene. You do know what the month of June is, right? This is Gay Pride Month. You do know that, right? There are parades literally in America, in major cities in this country, in this month to promote this community. I'll tell you a shocker that I had not long ago. I was in a gospel meeting in Michigan. I flew into South Bend, Indiana, rented a car and drove up to Benton Harbor, Michigan. You have heard of South Bend, Indiana, correct? There is a major university in this country in South Bend, Indiana. Name the name of it. Notre Dame, Notre Dame. I wanted to go to the campus of Notre Dame. I've heard about that all my life. Never seen that campus. Let me tell you, it's drop dead gorgeous. It's like a botanical garden with gothic buildings and gold domes and touchdown Jesus. You have heard of touchdown Jesus, right? It's the big mural on the side of the library building just north of the football stadium. You go through the library in Notre Dame. As soon as you go, by the way, go right through the mural of Touchdown Jesus. That's the library. You go through the back doors and you go into what's called the quad. The quad. The quad is a square rectangle area paved. And then the dormitories are at the quad. 
Okay, and I'm walking in the quad just sort of looking around at this drop-dead gorgeous canvas, and I'm seeing rainbow flags hanging out of the windows of the dorm rooms, the exterior dorm rooms of the quad at Notre Dame. I go back to that night to the church building, and I talk to some of the members at Benton Harbor. I said, I just went down to Notre Dame, and I was walking around, walking at the campus. I said, I got a question. Is that not a Catholic university? Is Notre Dame not a Catholic university? I said, I said, I've never seen as many rainbow-colored flags hanging out of windows. He said, let me tell you something, preacher. You're not from around here. No, I'm from Alabama. He said, that's one of the most secular universities you'll find in this country right now. How many of y'all knew that? I didn't know that. One of the most liberal universities in this country that's lost its spiritual compass. Okay? No, folks, we're not in the closet anymore. We're flying our flags outside our dorm rooms. Flying them outside our dorm rooms. Okay? Is it fundamental, if you're going to start a new home, to start it with a male and a female? Is that fundamental? Well, you've got to figure out whether you're male or female. Guess what? When I was born, I didn't know what I was. All I knew was, I was hungry. On <laughs> you? And somebody slapped me on my behind and I started screaming. So I started breathing. I didn't know what, what was going on in the world. And ultimately I figured out this is my mama. And this is my daddy and this is my sister. And then ultimately I realized I'm a boy. Right? Well, what do boys do? Well, boys do boys' things. What do girls do? What did my sister do? She does girls' things. By the way, mother didn't dress me in a dress. It's called dressed in a drag if you're a man. Mother dressed me like a boy. Taught me I was a boy. Taught me to be a man. Listen, my mother taught me to be a man. Much less my daddy. My mother taught my sister how to be a woman. Little girl, do little girl things. This is what you are. Why? God made you that way. God made you that way. It's not just what we put that on that birth certificate. Female, male, pink, blue, whatever color you like. The idea is you're male. You're female. Enough said, right? Enough advertisements for that mess, right? Wherefore shall a man leave father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two, what was two, should be one flesh. You've heard that, right? Maybe you can quote that. Jesus quoted that in Matthew 19. Paul cited that to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5.31. It's a fundamental passage. You'll never get away from that passage if you want a great home. Never. Now, I've done a lot of marriage counseling. Some of it I wished I hadn't done. I try to do a lot of preventive measures so that I don't have to have these couples come sit in my office. By the way, it's a lot easier to prevent problems than it is to solve them. Y'all figured that out? Yes. A lot easier to prevent them than to try to solve them. So I'm here to talk about preventive measures. Hopefully nothing new I'm going to teach you tonight. Nothing new. This should be old hat to you, particularly in an adult class. Okay. But you've got to teach it to your kids. You have to teach it to your kids' kids sometimes. But well, you've got to model it first. That's the best way to teach it. 
Leave father and mother. Leave father and mother. That's maturity. Maturity. That's the first point we're going to talk about is maturity. You're not ready to get married. You're not ready to have your own home until you grow up. Be a man. Be a woman. By the way, in wedding ceremonies, I don't say with reference to, I now pronounce you man and wife. He ought to already be a man. Right? I pronounce you husband and wife. You ought to already be a man. You're not a man. You're not ready to get married. Man up. Right? Show me your man card, as they say. Maturity. Now, how old is mature? By the way, y'all all sharpen your elbows up. I know I saw one over here just get one in the side. See, because we're going to step on some toes probably tonight. By the way, my wife's with me. You know, she'll verify everything that I'm saying. If you, if you ask her any questions, I'll deny anything she tells you, by the way. Okay? okay? Maturity. Second thing, cleaves to his wife. By the way, the literal Greek Hebrew word there means to be glued to. The English word means to be joined to. It is the word for yoking two creatures together like you did with the oxen on a yoke. How many of y'all ever saw your granddaddy plow with a mule? How about two mules on a yoke? Okay, what you did is you married those mules to that yoke. Literally the idea. You joined them together to do one purpose. Cleave. You clave those two mules together under that yoke. That was the old Hebrew expression. To be one flesh. One flesh. That's your mission. That's your mindset. It is no longer me it's us. I'll tell you something about what my father-in-law told me before I ever married my wife who's here tonight. He said, I don't ever want to hear come out of your mouth. What is mine is mine and what hers is yours. What's mine's mine what's hers is mine. I don't ever want to hear that come out of your mouth. I tell you, Mr. Riker, you don't have any trouble with me. Okay. All the debts she has become my debts. And by the way, all my debts become her. She probably said, let me double check that thing. Let me think about that a minute, right? Okay. The two are no longer two. You are one. You are one unit. We'll come back to that at the very end of this lesson. Let me watch this clock. He's got it turned the wrong way. I'll never be able to see that. Ooh, got to go. Start out, leave, cleave, and achieve. By the way, if you want to memorize by reminding yourself, by rhyming instead of alliteration, leave, cleave, achieve. There's a goal you have to achieve. Start out with maturity. You better be mentally and emotionally mature to leave your mother and daddy to start your own home. My mother-in-law was 15 years old when she married. My father-in-law was 25 when they got married. They lived well over 50 years of marriage. How many of you believe tonight that a 15-year-old girl in America who lives on a cell phone is mature enough to be married? Come on. My mother-in-law was 15. She lived in Tuscumbia. You say, yeah, but that was before the days of cell phones. That's true. Matter of fact, that was, that was during the days of party lines. Okay? It was during the days of the Depression, actually. 
Let me tell you what this 15-year-old woman had already done by age 15. She already knew how to do housekeeping. She already knew how to farm in a garden. And she already knew how to help raise her own brothers and sisters. By the way, she's ready to get out of that house and to have her own home at 15. My mother was one of eight. One of eight. My grandmother taught her how to cook, how to keep house, how to do a lot of things, work in the field and so forth. And by the time my father said, will you? And she said, yes, I was waiting on you to ask me the question. She is ready to be on her own. That way she didn't have to deal with the other step four below her and the, and the three above her. Listen, maturity. She's ready to be married. Listen, you can be 25 years old and not be ready to marry. You're not mature enough. You got to leave father and mother. Leave. I don't mean abandon. It means you're going to have your own home unit and you the visitor at that house now. I told my kids when they got married, I said, this place at the table, we're going to break your plate. This is not your seat anymore. This is where the visitor sits at this house. That bedroom up there where you slept in, that's not your room anymore. That's where the visitors at this house sleep. That's a vacant bedroom. Now, you can go sleep up there if we let you. Okay? But don't say, I'm home. No. Your home is down here. Your home is over here. This is where your mom and I live. You got your own home. You're a visitor here. We'll treat you like that. Yes, you're a special visitor. Yeah. And we'll let the grandkids have the house, by the way, right? Okay. But you're a visitor here. You left father and mother. Are you mentally ready for that? Some are not. Are you emotionally ready to be on your own? I was four years at Freed Hardman from 1975 to 1979. By the way, they don't just call that Freed Hardman. They call it the marriage factory. <laughs> marriage factory. It's called three swings and a ring. In other words, have swings outside in front of the dormitories, particularly the girls' dormitories. The old statement was, if a boy sat with you in those swings three times in a row and they saw it, literally the ring is coming. Three swings and a ring. By the way, a lot of girls go up there not for a BS or a BA. They go up there for an MRS degree. How many of y'all don't even know what I meant by that? MRS, Mrs. Degree. They went up there to get a husband. Within one day, the first day I was there, within two hours, I saw two girls looking around for a husband. I called them Piranha on the Prowl. That's what I called them. <laughs> Piranha on the prowl. They were ready to leave father and mother and to be married to whatever had pants on. And I was running as far as I could to try to stay away. And by the way, they succeeded in finding somebody, but thank the Lord it wasn't me. By the way, can you see them a mile away, guys? By the way, I'll train you if you can't see them. Okay? By the way, how about women, Look, a man looking for a wife? Can you see them, ladies? Come on, y'all got ESPN, right? You got ESPN. You, you can see this. I'm ready to leave this situation and be in this situation. But you got to be mature. Mature. How do you know a person's mature? Let's take a girl 
whose daddy was fairly wealthy. And um, she didn't really have to do without anything. Life was pretty easy. Uh, Dad had a great job. Mother had a stable job or mom stayed at home or whatever the case might be. And uh, they went on cruises. How about that for a vacation, guys? Once a year they went on a cruise. If they didn't go on a cruise, hey, we'll take two weeks at Disney World every year. Got a timeshare down there in Orlando. Okay, and all of a sudden she finds this boy and she falls in love with him. By the way, he's poor as Job's house cat. He grew up hard, grew up on the farm. They didn't have a lot of money. By the way, they didn't go out to eat a lot. What they ate is what they raised on their farm. But she's in love with him. And all of a sudden, he asked her the question, will you? And she said, I do. And by the way, he says, well, here's the condition. You've got to live on my income. And I don't make what your daddy made. And trust me, I wished I, I, wished I did. But are you willing, financially, to leave father and mother and to cleave to me if I don't ever make a lot of money for the rest of my days? And honey, we can't go on those cruises like you did when you grew up. And no, I never even thought about owning a timeshare in Orlando to go to Disney World twice a year or once a year. But I'll lay down my life for you like Christ laid down his life for the church. Has she found a man? But do you know any girl that was raised with a silver spoon in her mouth that marries her poor old Joe boy and struggles after she marries him? Because you can't provide for me like daddy did. Do you understand what I'm saying, guys? You've got to learn to live on my income. And no, we can't go to Longhorn Steakhouse every Friday night. We're going to have round steak. In the country, that's bologna. Round steak. And tube steak. By the way, that's hot dogs. That's what I can afford. Proverbs, it says in Proverbs 15, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. Proverbs 15, verses 15, 16, 17. Better to have the fear of God and love in your house than anything else this world's got to offer. And that includes Hollywood all the way to Madison Avenue, New York. Money does not buy happiness. If that were true, there would never be a divorce in Hollywood. By the way, and Bill Gates would still be married to his wife if money bought happiness. Don't look at the pocketbook, girls. See if he's a man in here. First and most, folks, if he's a Christian man, will he give his life for you like Christ laid down his life for the church? Therefore, would you submit to him as unto the Lord? Leave, Father, are you emotionally mature to start your new home? Because you're about to leave 
mother. Got it? And money is a major issue that I've seen couples fight over in my office. Because the, the last sub-point of this first point is how you manage it. There are more people in this country, as soon as you graduated high school, were given pre-approved pieces of plastic with numbers on them. What am I talking about? Credit cards. Play money. But by the way, there is a catch with that piece of plastic. Did you know that? At the end of the month, they're going to send you a statement. Okay, so you ran it up to $12,000. By the way, we had a limit of 15000 We didn't get all the way. We just got it up to 12000 Okay, pay it off at the end of the month. Well, we don't have $12,000 coming in. So what are we going to We're going to pay the minimum. And you know what they're going to do? 18% interest is going to be tacked on to your next bill. And all you're going to be doing is paying the minimum. And you know what that cost of $12,000 of what you bought is going to turn into? You're going to end up paying thirty dollars to $40,000 for the same item because you didn't pay it off. How many of you had parents teach you how to manage money? My daddy did. I literally had a couple one time in my office. Well, no, not that situation. An individual, a husband, basically said, I said, how do you budget? How do you manage money? He says, we don't. I said, how do you not just end up in deep debt? He said, we are. He says, I'm crying in your office. He's crying like a, like a baby, a grown man crying in my office because he don't know how he's going to pay this credit card bill off. I had one couple at Bethel who literally were about to have major divorce problems. They're not divorced, but they were struggling with it, talking about it, because they literally had maxed their cards out and couldn't get out from under the swamp of death that they were in. But as soon as you're 18 years old, we're going to give you all the credit cards you want with a $15,000 ceiling on it. By the way, don't even have a job, and you're going to give me a credit card? You think I'm a high credit risk? You are high credit risk. You don't even know what that piece of plastic represents. Oh, by the way, now it's debit card, excuse me. Debit. Okay? Or PayPal. Or, or whatever your mode of electronic Bitcoin. Whatever, whatever is your form of a currency now. By the way, it's still money. It's still debt. Right? Still debt. Leave father and mother. We have two sons. Obviously, you know Hannah. Hannah's here tonight. We have two sons, older. I told both of them. Both of them were dating girls, getting very serious with them. They actually married these two girls. I said, let me tell you something. As soon as you marry, all debts are yours. Now, if you don't marry, you're still living under my roof. I'll help, help you pay your debts. As soon as you marry, you left father's checking account. By the way, and I'll show you a bank that they'll let you borrow the money of whatever you need. You left father and mother. You want to be on your own? Be on your own. Let me tell you something. 
You know, if the course of time naturally happens, my wife and I probably will die before they do. That generally happens, right? As you get older, the older die, the younger get older. What if they become dependent on us financially to sustain them for the rest of their days and then we die? Now what? Now what? You're stuck. You're stuck. There's nobody there to bail you out. By the way, did the prodigal son learn that? In the far country, and nobody out here in the world to bail you out. Don't get in over your head. Be mature enough to be able to manage. What did, your mom and daddy had to do that. How many of y'all remember when you were married, you didn't have nothing? Excuse my English. You didn't have nothing. A lot of stuff of what you were given. Now kids want what their parents have had to work for for 35 years. They want it in the showers before the wedding ceremony even starts. No. You may have to sleep on the floor on the mattress without a bedstead. By the way, you love one another, it don't matter. Go live in a pup tent. You'll appreciate air conditioning after that. You'll appreciate what you accumulate. You'll appreciate when it's hard to get, right? How do you learn the value of money? When it's your money that you had to sweat for to make. You don't appreciate it when it's just given to you. Got to work for it. And nothing wrong with hard work. It builds character. Maturity. You leaving father and mother. That's going to build a house. That's going to build a house. You learn how to manage that every day. Every day. When I was at college, a lot of things mother did for me when I was a high school student at home. And I got to college, mama's not there. Mama's six hours away. She's in Georgia and I'm in West Tennessee. And my dorm mother did not come in my dorm and make my bed. She nor did she take the garbage out. Nor did she clean the sink in my dorm room. Nor did she fold my clothes. Nor did she do a lot of things for me. Guess who had to learn how to do that? I did. And by the way, if I didn't do it, nobody else was going to do it unless I hired somebody. Or got my sister to do it. Which sometimes she would, sometimes she wouldn't. But the fact of the matter is what? Grow up, boy. You want to be a man? This is what a man looks like. This is how a man acts. Now you're maturing. Now you're ready to be on your own. Point number two. You've left father and mother, and now you're going to cleave to this person. The word literally carries with the idea of conjugal, and it meant cohabitation. Let me tell you something about weddings and marriages. The problem in marriages is not the wedding ceremony. It's the living together afterwards. That's the problem. I have never, ever had to do marriage counseling for a couple right after they come off their honeymoon. Never. You know why? You know why, right? Because we're still literally on our honeymoon. Okay? We could sit on the front porch and all we do is just look at each other's eyes as the sun sets. And that's money to me. Okay? But it's after two, three, four, five, literally after five. Oh, if you can survive the first five years, you can pretty much survive the rest. But it's after five that reality kicks in. Because what happens somewhere between about year two and year five is probably first child. Is that 
a wake-up call? Come on, shake or nod. Is that a wake-up call? Hannah, is that a wake-up call? By the way, y'all know what payback is sweet means? When all of a sudden you keep telling your kids you're going to pay for your raising one day if you don't straighten up, and all of a sudden you see it happen and you just sit there and grin. You don't have to say anything. You just sit there and grin. And they know what you're thinking because they can read minds because you told them this day was coming. Okay? But no, you're not running to mom and daddy. You're going to cleave to your spouse. You're going to stick it out. By the way, the reason you don't kill your kids is because one day you get grandkids. That's why you don't kill your kids. One day you get grandkids from there and you send them home after you've spoiled them. Right? Oh, you do know what I'm talking about. Go home, straighten out your problem. Don't come crying to me. Go work it out. That's what mature people do, right? That's solid marriages. You're stuck. I tell couples when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling with them, I look at this person and I say, you love this person? I say, well, Brother Clark, if I didn't love this person, I wouldn't be married. And I said, no, you're fixing to learn how to love this person. You're right now, you're just infatuated with them. And I turned to the girl and said, you love him? Well, Brother Clark, if I didn't t- say I do to that, I, 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 you're fixing to learn what love is. Because let me tell you what love is. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself rudely, does not think of its own, is not easily irritated, does not keep a running account of bad things that happen to you. It rejoices always, not in iniquity, but always in the truth. It bears up under all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, it endures all things, and that love never fails. Read that in a book somewhere. You tell me the book I read it out of. The Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. That's love. Not Hollywood. Not a Harlequin romance novel. That's cleaving to your spouse. Cleaving to them. By the way, when you said I do, you did. You stuck. The word meant glued to. How many of y'all know what contact cement is? I don't mean Elmer's glue. I mean contact cement. Okay, you spray that contact cement on that formica before you play it on that countertop. By the way, when you touch that to that countertop after you sprayed that, what had you better make sure was done right? Set it exactly where you want it. Why? Because you'll have to tear that completely apart to get that, get that loose. That's the idea. You've got to tear something completely up to get that unglued. Let me tell you something. I had a boy one time tell me, after his wife was unfaithful to him, it was right over here in Decatur, Alabama, he called me on the phone, met him over here at the Library parking lot right off Highway 31. He told me for two hours in his car, he says, I could have put her in the grave. I could have buried her easily than having to deal with what I'm dealing with right now. 
He says, I am emotionally eat up. He told me, my brother and I literally, when I first learned about it, I got a pistol with a bullet and I went looking for her. He says, we searched through Decatur. If I had found her, I'd have shot her on the spot when I saw her. I said, you've lost your mind. You know you wouldn't have done. What would that have solved? He says, I was that angry. I was that angry. But he didn't find her. But they did divorce. I could just as, I said, I could have easily put her in the grave and had closure. And now, this. He literally felt betrayed, cheated. Y'all know anybody like that? I may be talking to you in this room. I may be talking to some of you that know exactly what that boy's feeling. Folks, I've never had to feel that way, but I've had to empathize and sympathize with people whose lives have been turned upside down. Listen, I'd rather have never been married to have to go through this. Let me tell you something. There's a lot worse things in life than being single. Did you hear what I said? There's a lot worse things in life than being single. Be single, be footloose and fancy free and go your way and be happy and control your... But when you're married, it's not about you anymore. It's about us. You're going to work through it the best you can. And yes, I know there are those who are faithful to their side and their spouse steps out or their spouse decides they don't want to have anything to do with it, that's not your fault. That's what Matthew 19, 9 is about. It gives you that one exception to the rule. But the fact of the matter is, folks, God intended for us to apply this principle. Leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. Now, the two be one flesh. How does Pam Reichard Clark and Jimmy Clark become one flesh? I wrote down some things this afternoon. I couldn't find my other list, so I just jotted this down. How many of y'all married your opposite if you're married? Your personalities are just a little bit different. By the way, if you're a male and you're a female, you're different. Have y'all figured that out? Men and women think differently. Get used to it. I'll give you another piece of information. You're going to be one flesh, which means one entity. You're going to be able to work out because you didn't marry a perfect person, nor did they. The only perfect person that's ever been married is Jesus Christ, and he's married to an imperfect church. So if you're going to be married, and if you are married now, you are married to an imperfect person. And if you married a perfect person, when you married them, you made the marriage an imperfect marriage because you're imperfect. All right, now, I want to read you out 10 things. I, I remember 10 things. And you see if this fits your situation. The hot-natured person married the cold-natured person. Anybody in here room fit that bill? Pam, raise your hand because she and I fit that bill. I'm cold-natured and she's hot. She wants to throw the covers off and I said, don't throw them in the floor, throw them on me. Okay? Do you, you realize that can create a problem in marriage just because, well, I didn't know you was that way. How about this one? The neat and tidy or the clean freak married the helter-skelter housekeeper. 
Everything has its place. Everything needs to be back in its place. We're having company. I just shoved it under the couch. I can't find a thing. Look under the couch. The person who's a tightwad with the money is married to the spendthrift. I never balanced the checkbook. Didn't ever worry about it. We always had money. I knew how much money was in the checkbook to the penny. Raise your hand, gentlemen, if you know how much is in your checkbook to the penny. That would be me. How many of you have anybody in here you're married to? They don't even know what the bills are because you pay all of them. You pay all the bills. They don't even know what, what the bills are. They see the bills come through the mailbox, but you, that's your job. My daddy paid all the bills. My mother didn't even know what the bills were except what come through the mailbox. And when my daddy died, my mother went into a tailspin. My daddy never balanced the checkbook of their checkbook. He looked at the bank statement every month and said, look like we got money in there. I kid you not, that's Winford Clark. I kid you not. And after dad died, I walked up to my mother and I asked her, I said, Mother, how much to the penny do you have in this checking account? She said, I don't have a clue. Your daddy did all that. I said, from now on, every financial situation I will handle for you and every legal situation I will handle for you, when you go to the mailbox, don't worry about anything in there. Let me go get your mail before you even get to the box every day until the day she died 20 months later. I think my daddy did my mother a disservice because he left her high and dry financially not knowing what to do. Not even know literally how much money she had in her checking account. I know to the penny what's in my checking account. Literally. And every month I make sure it is exactly the way the bank statement is. You ever, ever overdrawn a check? Anybody in here like me ever overdrawn a check? The reason I overdrew a check is because I moved from Neal to Bethel, closed the bank out in Hartzell to pick up the one in Athens and didn't realize I had two checks that were still outstanding from the bank in Hartzell. I'm just transferring the money from here to here, penny to penny. Yeah, but there's two checks I didn't know hadn't cleared the bank when I closed that account out. Uh-oh. Well, you should have known. I do now. But guess who also had to pay for it? She did. Because what's my fault is also her fault. And she didn't have anything to do with it. Because I pay the bills. I know, what the, I know what's in that account. But my successes are her successes... And my failures are her failures because we won flesh. And by the way, that's how the bank looks at you. Is that right? That's exactly how the bank looks at you. Okay? How about this one? The early riser married the night owl. Can that happen? I'm living proof of that. This woman used to get up at 3 a.m., Monday through Friday to go teach school. By the way, she's retired now. I hope those days are long over. 
Now, I can stay up till midnight. She's in the bed at 8 o'clock. Oh, if you're going to get up at 3, you're going to go to bed at 8. Okay, night owl, early riser. By the way, how many of y'all got to have a cup of coffee before somebody even talks to you in the morning? Versus the person who just jumps straight out of bed and good morning Vietnam, right? <laughs> how about this one? The person who's very quiet and reserved married the talkative one. How about this one? The person who's got to plan everything down to the minute detail to the person who just goes with the flow. How about the person who's always on time? Has married the person who is perpetually late. How about the country person versus the city person? City boy. Country girl. Literally, that's our marriage. How about the meat and potatoes guy? Okay, if I can't spell it, I ain't eating it. Versus, it don't matter what it is. If it's Mexican, Chinese, Italian, Greek, Hungarian, I'll eat anything. My daddy was beans, cornbread, and buttermilk. And my mother fed him that over and over and over. Guess what I ate as a kid? What daddy ate? I'll eat Mexican, Italian, Spanish, Greek, you name it, I'll eat it. My mother was like that. But my daddy wouldn't eat it if he couldn't spell it. So mama catered to what he wanted. How about the person who hoards everything... Versus the person who is the minimalist. I will clean out your closet without you knowing it. And that barn out there is not a storage shed. That's my she shed. And I'm fixing to fix that. By the way, you are one flesh. You are one unit. But you are two separate individuals. Are you not? And that's just ten of them. At one time I had 25 different There is a goal in life. When that girl in that white dress comes down that aisle and takes that boy's hand up there, and when they walk out of here and they blow that unity candle out, right, his side, her side, and it's one flame, what is that supposed to mean? Jimmy and Pam is one word. Claude and Elizabeth is one word. Sydney and Mary Emma is one word. Smokey and Ed's one word. Brex and Hannah is one word. Benjamin and Fallen is one word. Daniel and Laura is one word. It's two different people I've represented, but that's one word. When you see one, you automatically think the other one, don't you? Come on, don't you? And when a spouse dies, even when you see the living spouse, do you not see the other person? That's one flesh. That's what a marriage is. I guess that's time, right? All right. Appreciate your attention. Hope you've learned something.